How good it is to be in his house and in his presence, amen? How good it is to feel his heartbeat, amen? That's how close God wants us to be to him tonight, church. So close that we can feel his heartbeat. So close that we can hear a little whisper, amen? The whisper that just says, I love you, amen? How many are thankful for that kind of love? Amen. Praise God. You can be seated, amen? It's just special to be in God's house, amen? Just good to be here, good to fellowship with him, and just wonderful to, to sense his presence. You know, the one song that I love is that one that we can, talks about how we can be seated in heavenly places, amen? And tonight I want us to believe that that's where we're at, because when we come into his presence, when we come into his fellowship with other brothers and sisters in the Lord, he turns that into heavenly places, Amen. It's that place where we can forget about the day, forget about our struggles, forget about our troubles, and just concentrate on Him and just find ourselves in His presence. Amen. I believe that God's with us tonight. I believe that He has a word for us. A few weeks ago, I had a word for us to start off the new year, but I didn't get a chance to bring it because of canceled services and broken pipes and bad weather. And then last week, we had the, the, the week of prayer, and I was happy to bring a word of prayer. And I... I thought, okay, God, do you want me to go back to that original word? And he said, yes, I do, because I had some other things I wanted to get into, and I had some series maybe that I wanted to start. But he said, you know, I gave you that word for a reason, and I don't want it to go overlooked. So I want you to bring that word tonight, and it's what I'm going to do. The title of my message, or I want to call it the title of God's message, is I Am Resolved. It's taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. And we'll get to that main body of text probably halfway through my message. You know, I always mix mess. I, I use a lot of messages, but I want to get to the, this actual passage till about halfway through, unless God causes me to move it up sooner. But before we do that, let's pray one more time. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this evening, God, that we are able to be seated in heavenly places. God, when we ever, when, whenever it is that we choose to come into your presence and bow down at your feet. Whenever we choose to put ourselves in that place, Father God, where we can feel your heartbeat, where we can feel your breath, where we can hear your voice, God, that becomes a heavenly place. And I thank you that that's where we're at tonight, God. We're in this place of fellowship where you choose to speak to us, where you want to give us your word, Lord God, that you where you want to encourage us, where you want to challenge us, where you want to change us, Father God. And I pray that your word would do that this evening. God, it's your word and not mine. I pray that you would anoint my mouth and anoint my lips, anoint my heart and anoint my mind. Anoint my body, Father God, that I could be a vessel tonight, God, a vessel of honor. One that's fit and ready for every good work. And it's a good work tonight, God, to bring forth your word. I pray that you would anoint everyone that's in this house, God, tonight, give them ears to hear and hearts that are willing to receive. And above everything else, give us the courage to respond to your word, God. Like always, we come against every hindering spirit, every distracting spirit, every lackadaisical or complacent spirit, God, that would try to to rule and reign in this house tonight. And we come against it in the mighty name of Jesus and pray that your spirit would rule and your spirit would reign, God, so that we could say at the end of the service, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. We give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said, Amen. I know that we're probably three weeks into the year. We are actually three going on four weeks into the year. And that's why I 
why I had this word, I am resolved, it was to kick off the year. So I'm going to use the word to do the same thing. As we all know, every new year, we hear people making resolutions. This is how I'm going to start the message. They make promises to themselves, promises to others, and even promises to God. We all make resolutions to, that, that, that seem to start out strong in the beginning of the year, January 1st. A lot of people make these resolutions. New Year's Eve, a lot of make them January 1st. A lot of them a couple weeks into the year. Some of them in the middle of the year. It doesn't matter. But they seem to always start out strong, but typically fail, typically fade out, typically become less important as we go through the year. The resolutions concerning things we want to change things we want to accomplish, things we want to do or do better than we did the year before. But in all reality, unless we are like the pastor's been preaching over the last couple weeks, all in, unless we are resolved, none of those things are going to happen in our lives, church. I think the number one resolution made by most people is to lose weight, to eat better, and to get in shape. Seems to be the resolution I make every single year. It lasts for a couple weeks and then it disappears. And I got uncovered again a little bit later. Some of you have made that resolution. And I know some of you personally that are doing an awesome job. And I thank God that you're sticking to it. But some of us typically forget about those resolutions just a little bit down the road or a little bit along in the calendar. We, cut, we, we resolve to cut out sweets and treats, to exercise every day and to lose 50 pounds by next month. But once again, unless we are sold out, Amen. Unless we are resolved to see it through, it's never going to happen. And you'll never reach your goal. That's really what I want to look at. Others will vow to quit smoking. They're going to put the cigarettes down and never look at them again. They're going to quit cold turkey. They're going to be a non-smoker once and for all. And it's a wonderful resolution to make. But the reality is unless that person is sold out... Unless that person is all in, like Pastor's been talking about, that habit will never be broken. Some will vow to get rich. They're going to put money in the stock market. They're going to start day trading. They're going to stop spending. They vow to quit drinking. Some vow to quit doing drugs, to stop looking at pornography. Some vow to stop screaming at their children, to overcome anger and a host of other issues. Some make resolutions to go to college or to get their GED. Some desire to make amends with their family, to finally let bygones be bygones, to overcome bitterness or wrath or jealousy. And some of the things that just seem to hold them back in the, uh, according to the, the Word of God. They're going to stop crying over spilled milk. Others promise themselves to write a book or to start a blog. Maybe to be a better mother, a better father, or a better friend. Innumerable resolutions are made by innumerable individuals every single year. Most of them are made in good faith and with every good intention. But as we all know quite well, most of them remain unfulfilled by the end of the year. Most of them remain undone. Most of them remain incomplete. Most of them remain unresolved in their life because in all reality, there was no resolve in their resolution. 
And that's what I want to look at tonight. Because it doesn't matter what resolution you made three weeks ago. It doesn't matter what resolution you make in the middle of the year. It doesn't matter what promise you make to yourself. If there is no resolve in your resolution, it's never going to come to pass. If there's no resolve in your promise, if there's no resolve in your commitment, if there's no resolve in the, in the promise that you make to yourself, to your family, your friends, the church, or to God himself, if there is no resolve, it's not going to be done and it won't be accomplished in your life. That's where my title comes from and that's why I use this word, I am resolved. Because if you're not resolved, you're not going to see it through. Amen? And that's what I want to talk about this evening. Far too often, we think a resolution is a list of goals scribbled on a piece of paper in order of priority. Well, I think I'll do this first and that second and that third and that fourth. And that's why being in shape and, and, and exercising is usually at the top. But that's what so many people think a resolution is. It's a list of goals. For many, a resolution is merely something they would like to accomplish or see happen in their life. And if it does, great. But if it doesn't, it's no big deal. We think that a resolution is nothing more than a good idea. We think that it's a good intention that someone might have. For many people, a resolution is nothing more than a New Year's Eve tradition that they do over and over and over again, but never accomplish it in their life. But the truth is the word resolution means a whole lot more, and this is what it means. It means determined and purposed in one's heart. It means to be decisive and to be resolved in your heart. It means a made-up mind It means, I believe we can say it this way, according to what pastor's been preaching, to be resolved means to be all in and sold out. And that's what we want to look at tonight. Because the reality is, if you're not all in and you're not sold out, you're not going to accomplish your goals. You're not going to see anything through, especially the spiritual ones. The reality is, the main reason that 90% of all resolutions fail is because the ones who made them never really made up their mind to fulfill them. You see, it's one thing to make a resolution. It's one thing to make a promise. It's one thing to make a decision. But it's another thing to see it through. Amen? You see, it's one thing to to make a promise, it's another to fulfill it. And that's what we're looking at tonight. But the main reason that most resolutions fail is because the people that made them never made up their mind to bring them to pass, church. They weren't determined and they weren't purposed in their heart to see their resolutions or their decisions through. They weren't sold out, you can say, or they might not be all in. Please understand Our resolutions, whatever they might be, have to be more than a verbal exercise. They have to be more than than words that are scribbled down on a piece of paper only to be lost or forgotten. They have to be more than a good idea that you come up with. They have to be more than a a good thought or a, a good intention, especially the spiritual ones. And the spiritual ones are what I want to look at tonight. They've got to be. If you make a spiritual resolution any time in your life, listen, this message can be preached any time of the year. It doesn't have to be preached in the beginning of the year. I just chose that I wanted to do it then because that's when people make resolutions. But all through your life, you should be making spiritual resolutions. The Word of God is filled with individuals who resolved in their heart to do this or to do that for the kingdom of God or for Jesus Christ. And we should be among 
among them every day, every week. Listen, every day you wake up, you should be resolved to serve the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not just January 1st. Every day, every week, every year, there are spiritual resolutions we should make in our lives, church. But in order for those to happen, we have to be purposed in our heart and we must be, we must be willing to see them through to completion. In Luke 14, 28 to 30, Jesus, is, Jesus emphasizes careful decision-making and he teaches us the lesson of a man's good intention to build a tower but not bringing it through to completion. You know this story. He talks about a man who had a good intention to build this big, tall tower, but he never saw it through. He never brought it to completion, church. And it says this, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Because how many of you know God is more interested in what we finish than what we start? Amen? You see, you could start a hundred things for God, but if you don't finish any of them, it doesn't mean a thing to God. You understand what I'm saying? Look, the profitable master, the profitable servant is the one that sees things through. If you're going to start something for God, finish it for God. Amen? If you're going to start this year with prayer, finish it with prayer. If you're going to start this year reading the Word of God, finish it reading the Word of God. If you're going to start this year serving in the kingdom of God, finish it out by serving in the kingdom of God. God is more interested in what you finish and not interested in what you start. Well, God, I'm going to start this and God, I'm going to start doing this and God, I'm going to start doing this. Well, that's all well and good and dandy, but unless you're willing to bring it to completion unless you're willing to finish it it doesn't matter church listen you could be the greatest nascar driver in the world and you could be driving the daytona 500 ladies i know you probably could give a flip about race car driving but you could be the greatest driver driving the daytona 500 and you could be in first place for 499 miles of that race But unless you cross the finish line, unless you finish what you started, those 499 miles don't mean a hill of beans. That's what we have to understand. You can start out this year strong. You can make a whole lot of resolutions. You can make a whole lot of promises to God. You can be in first place for 499 miles. Or you can be in first place for 199 laps. Because the the Daytona 500 is 200 laps. You could be in first place for 199 laps, but unless you finish that final lap, it doesn't mean a hill of beans. Listen, in any race you run, in any race that's driven, they don't hand out the trophy at the starting line. They they, They hand it out at the finishing line. The Word of God and the kingdom of God and the rewards of God are exactly the same. He doesn't give you the prize when you start. He gives you the prize when you finish. He gives the prize to the one that endures to the end, the Bible says. He doesn't give a robe of righteousness. He doesn't give you a new name written on a stone that's all your own. He doesn't do all those things unless you are faithful to the finish. Amen? God is a rewarder of those who finish, not those who start. I know a lot of people, including myself, that have started a lot of things for God, but never finished them. And my start and my desire and my good intentions don't mean a hill of beans, church, amen, unless I'm willing to finish them. This is what I'm talking about, unless you are resolved. You see, the word resolve means to have determined the outcome in advance. 
It means before you even start, you know what's at the end. Before you even start, you've determined the outcome already. Listen, I hope you've determined to finish, to to cross the finish line for Jesus Christ. If you haven't determined in advance, church, you're never going to last to the end. You understand what I'm saying? If you haven't determined, if you haven't resolved in your heart to run this race and fight this fight and keep the faith, the first time a Goliath comes your way or the first time a wall of Jericho comes your way or the first time heartache comes your way or the first time a storm comes your way, you're going to pack your bags, turn tail and run and you'll never receive the prize. Listen, I'm not yelling at you. Please, I'm just excited about the word. Amen? But the reality is, God is a rewarder of those who finish the race. And unless you are resolved, determined in your heart, you're not going to see it through. Listen, why do you think there's vows when it comes to a wedding ceremony? Those vows are a reflection of your determination. You're determined. You've decided the outcome before, before you even enter into the marriage. That's what those vows are all about. You're determining the outcome in advance. Be better or worse, sickness or health, richer or poor, no matter what comes my way, I have determined that I'm going to love this individual and I've determined it in advance. And the reality is, look, I know a lot of people don't like to hear this, but uh, the reason that, that most marriages end and the mo- reason most individuals or someone in that marriage throws in the towel is because they weren't resolved in the first place. Because they did not determine, make up their mind, come hell or high water, heartache or headache, sunshine or rain, that I'm going to see this thing through to the end. That's why things fail. Because you're not resolved. But the title of my message is, I am resolved. And I want you to know tonight that God is looking for individuals who are resolved. Who've made up their mind in advance. What the outcome is going to be. You see, every one of most of Jesus' disciples, except for Judas that I know of. But see, he probably had made up his mind in a different way. But most of the disciples, excluding him, that you read about in Scripture, they resolved in their heart. They resolved in their mind. It didn't matter what was going to come their way. They were going to follow Jesus Christ. Didn't matter what was coming, but they made up their mind. And listen, in spiritual matters, we've got to do the same exact thing. Whatever our resolutions might be, they have to be more than a verbal exercise, more than words scribbled on a piece of paper. They have to be purposed in our heart. He says, for which of you intending to build a tower? Which of you intending to lose weight? Which of you intending to fix your marriage? Intending to get out of debt? intending to go for counseling, intending to start a ministry, intending to get into shape, intending to grow in the Lord, intending to serve in the church. Which of you intending to build a tower? See, I'm not just talking about a tower. Your intentions can be towards anything. Your intention to to fix your marriage has to be more than a verbal exercise. You have to be committed in your heart that I'm going to see this thing through. God doesn't care about intentions. He cares about what we finish and what we do. For which of you intending? Look, I'm talking about intentions, good intentions. Listen, to fix your marriage is a good intention. To make your marriage more healthy is a good intention. To get out of debt is a good intention. 
To treat your kids better is a good intention. These are all good things. But unless you're resolved in your heart to see them through, unless you're willing to sit down and count the cost, what's it going to cost me to see this thing through? It's not going to work out. And that's why most things... That's why most individuals fail in these areas because they've really never sat down to count the cost. But this is what it says. Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? That's the key. Whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after, and here's why, lest after he has laid the foundation, made this big grand start, this big grand proclamation, and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build, but was not able to finish. This man began a ministry, began to build a ministry, but he wasn't able to finish it. This man began to build a marriage, but wasn't able to finish it. This man began to build a a business, but wasn't able to finish it. This man began, or this woman began to build his family, but wasn't able to finish it. You understand what I'm saying? You see, the sad reality is when we don't finish the things we start, we become a laughing stock. When we, become, when, we're, when we, especially as sons and daughters of the Most High God, fail to finish the things we start, we become a mockery to this world. You and I are supposed to be an example of Jesus Christ who endured the cross, church. We can't throw in the towel, turn tail and run. We're to be a representation of Jesus Christ who saw it through to the end. And what happens in our life, what happens to our testimony when we throw in the towel, when we're not able to finish, we become a laughing stock to this world. We become the ones that this world mocks. Well, they said they were going to do that. They started to do this. Well, look at that. You understand what I'm saying? God doesn't want us to be a laughing stock. We're supposed to be the example. And this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us tonight, especially when it comes to spiritual resolutions. I believe with all of my heart that God would rather you not start something than start it and not finish it. Count the cost. See what it's going to take. You want to know why so many ministries fail? People jump into ministry because they want the accolades. They want the applause. They want the recognition. They want the good things that go with it. But they don't sit down to count the cost. They don't sit down to count the pain. They don't sit down to count the heartache. They don't sit down to count the sacrifice. They don't sit down to count the grumbling and the pointing of the fingers and all of the opposition that's going to come their way. It's why they do ministry for two months and then they bail out because they didn't count the cost. Because they didn't sit down to say, do I have what I need to finish? Do I have what it takes to finish? Now, let me just throw this in. You on your own don't have what it takes. You on your own don't have what it takes. You don't have enough power. You don't have enough wisdom. You don't have enough intellect. You don't have enough connections. You don't have enough of anything to do it on your own. I preached and touched on that last week. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. We need divine direction in our life. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need heaven to help us, amen? You can't do it on your own. So I I don't want you to get confused with what I'm saying here. You cannot finish on your own. It's why you need to invite God in. Listen, you can't survive your marriage on your own. You got to invite God in. That's how you finish. 
You don't, enter the, you don't enter this spiritual race without the help of the Holy Spirit, without the, the fuel of the Word of God. You don't enter this race without spiritual disciplines in your life or you won't finish. Do I have what it takes to finish? Do I have what it takes? Am I willing to count the cost? Am I willing to pay the price? And listen, the reality is you don't have to pay it on your own. You don't have to pay the price on your own. Jesus already paid the price. He's given you everything you need pertaining to life and godliness, the Bible says. All we got to do is turn to Him and trust in Him. He gives us what, I, what we need. But anyway, my point is that unless we finish, it doesn't really matter. And we become a laughing stock. My point is simply this. The only intentions that are good are the ones that we actually finish. That might not sound fair, it might not sound nice, it might not sound right, but in God's eyes, the only good intentions are the ones we actually finish because the rest of them are meaningless. The rest of them have no impact on society. Actually, according to the Word of God, they have a negative impact on the kingdom of God. Negative impact. My my wife's not here so I can tell this story without her nudging me afterwards. But I'm going to be honest with you, one of my flaws as far as in the house goes is I'm a great starter of projects, but I'm a lousy finisher. Something gets in the way, something preoccupies, something gets on my calendar, and before you know it, three months down the road, four months down the road, five months down, I never finished that. And you see, I know I'm not the only one, thank God, right? (laughs) Gentlemen, ladies... We all might be the same way, but you understand what I'm saying? All of that effort, all of that labor, it's vi- that unfinished work is visible. It's more visible than what I started. I could do all of this fancy work. Uh, listen, all of this beauty right here, th- if there was one stone missing, guess what you'd focus on? Every week you come, that's all the, but that's the one thing you'd look at right there all week. That one unfinished thing. What do you think your spouse looks at? What do you think your husband looks at? What do you think the devil looks at? What do you think the world looks at? They look at that unfinished thing. The work that we started, but it's incomplete. And we become a negative we, we become that negative impact on the kingdom of God. So what God is encouraging us, whatever the resolution is, make sure it's filled with resolve. Make sure you're willing to finish it. So let me tell you, I'll finish my little story about the things at home. So what I have done is I have gone around and I have begun to make a list of all these unfinished things. So when I have an, when I have an extra moment, Instead of lounging on the couch, guess what I need to do? I need to get up and finish. I need to put my hands to work. I need need to finish what I started. And the same thing goes for the kingdom of God. We can be the same exact way and even more so spiritually. You started this, Jeff. You started this, Betty. You started this, Sue. And I don't mean Betty right there, but that was the name. I started this. Now I have to finish it. And in the spiritual world... We can grow as just as complacent. Well, God, I'll get to it later. Well, God, I'll do it next week. Well, God, I got so many other things on my plate and so many other things I got to do. You know the distractions. You know what's come my way. But listen, those are just excuses. Finish what you start is what the Holy Spirit said. And unless we are resolved 
it's never going to happen. Amen? So the only intentions that are good are the ones that we finish. Listen, the sad reality is the house of God, and I don't mean this as you, and I don't mean this in a, in a terrible way, but we have a lot of laughing stocks in the house of God because we're not finishing what we started. Because we're filled with good intentions, but we're empty of determination. We're filled with good intentions, but we're empty of determination. We're empty of resolve. Church, listen, our marriages are in a mess. Our families are fractured. Our faith is faltering. Our prayers have become powerless because we're not finishing what we start. We are not filled with perseverance, church. We say one prayer and we quit. We give one time and we quit. We go to his council session for our marriage one time and we quit because we're not resolved. We're empty of determination. But listen, it's what it's going to take. We must have endurance. What was it Paul said in Philippians 3.12? Not that I have already attained all this or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, he said, to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. What was he saying? He was saying, I'm pressing on because I'm not finished. He said, I'm pressing on because I'm not done. He said, I'm pressing on because I've not achieved it all yet. I'm pressing on because there's more things to do. There's more things to be accomplished. There's things that are undone in my ministry and things that are undone in my life. There's things that God still wants me to finish. And it's why later, listen to me, there did come a point when he was able to say, I finished the race. I fought the fight. I kept the faith. But it's only because he was resolved his entire life. And I'll talk about that before I close. But this is what we have to understand. That we have to continually press on. We can't spiritually especially, okay, I'm done, God. Because we're not. We're not done. We're not done until that trumpet sounds. We're not done until the, the heavens open wide. We're not done until the angel of the Lord comes down with a, hey, hey, here I come. Now, I say that all the time. You know, I, I want to say it funny, but we used to play this game hide and seek. And our little saying, you know, you count to 100. We called it fox and hound. You count to 100. Apple, peaches, pumpkin pie. Who's not ready? Holler eye. You know, well, God's not going to say that. God's not going to roll back the clouds and say, apple, peaches, pumpkin pie. Who's not ready? Holler eye. You know what he's going to say? Ready or not, here I come. That's what he's going to say. Amen. And the reality is, unless we are resolved to cross the finish line, we're not going to be ready. We're not going to be ready. So we have to be resolved to cross the finish line. Listen, in the same manner of Paul saying what he did, we have to understand, and I hope we all know, that Jesus had far more than good intentions about going to the cross. He had far more than good intentions about restoring us to the Father. Amen? He was sold out. He was all in. Like we've been uh, hearing over the last couple of weeks, he was resolved. He was purposed in his heart to do the Father's will. And so must we be. We've got to be resolved to do the Father's will. He was resolved. Why do you think in the Garden of Gethsemane? Yes, he cried out. If there's any way this cup can pass for me, let it be. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's being resolved. He was resolved to do the Father's will. 
all the way to Golgotha's Hill, all the way to Calvary's cross, all the way to the tomb, all the way to the grave, church. He was resolved. And because he did, listen, Jesus himself, and I hope you grasp it. If you don't get anything else, get this. Jesus himself was not rewarded until he crossed the finish line. Why should we be? Why should we expect to be rewarded until we cross the finish line? Jesus wasn't rewarded until he crossed the finish line. He went to Golgotha's hill. He went to the grave. And because of it, the Bible says, he was then get then given a name which is above every name. Then he was seated at the right hand of the Father. Then he was given that place of authority that when his name was spoken, every knee shall bow on earth and above earth and under the earth. Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He was rewarded because he was resolved. And unless we're resolved, we won't be rewarded either, church. And this is what we have to... I am resolved is what has to come from our heart. Listen, the reality is for a resolution to become an accomplishment in our lives, we must truly make up our minds to do so. We must be determined in our hearts to accomplish those resolutions, whatever they might be. We must be resolved to see them through. We must be resolute and faithful to the finish in order to win the prize. Otherwise, according to the Word of God, we can be a mockery. I don't know about you. I don't want to be a mockery. I want to be that servant. I want to be that I want to be that that servant that will hear the words of the Jesus or hear the words of the Lord, well done thy good and faithful servant. Please get this again. Not a word of condemnation. It applies to me just like you. Unless I'm resolved, I'll never hear those words. Unless I am resolved, Unless I have determined the outcome of my eternity in advance, I won't hear those words. The reality is the only individuals that will hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, are the faithful ones, the resolved ones, the ones that made up their mind that come hell or high water, headache or heartache, sunshine or rain, sickness or death. uh, The only ones that will hear those words are the faithful ones. The ones that were willing to finish what they started. Amen. So I want to challenge you tonight. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap your reward if you just don't give up. You see, 2014 is going to be filled with headaches. It's going to be filled with heartaches. Some of us have gone through them already. You've heard the prayer needs. You've heard the requests. The devil's not on vacation and he's working overtime because the coming of the Lord is sooner this year or is closer this year than it was last year. So he's working overtime and God is telling you, do not grow weary in well-doing. Because in due season, you will reap a reward if you are resolved in your heart. If you've made up your mind to follow Christ, to fight the fight and run the race and keep the faith. If you are resolved, you will be rewarded. But the sad reality is most of us don't find our rewards because we give up and we give in. Because we throw in the towel, because we turn tail and run, because we haven't made up our mind to follow Christ wherever he might go. Which leads me to 
my next page and next passage. In 1 Corinthians 2.2, the body of my text, Paul says this, I am resolved. First words he says, I am resolved. I am determined and I have made up my mind to know nothing while among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I am resolved, he said. Please understand this wasn't some simple New Year's Eve resolution that Paul made. It wasn't some lighthearted, off-the-cuff comment. Paul had made up his mind. Paul had determined in his heart that nothing in his life was going to be more important than Jesus Christ, that nothing in his life was going to be more important than Calvary's cross to him. And this year, we should do the same. We should make up our minds. We should determine in our hearts that nothing will be more important than Jesus Christ, that nothing will be more important than the Lord, that nothing will be more important, nothing will be more precious than the blood of Jesus Christ, than, than the, the, the old rugged cross that he hung upon, church. Nothing should be more important in our lives. We should resolve to store up treasures in heaven and not on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal, church. We should be resolved this year to love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We should be resolved, church, determined and made up our mind to seek Him while He might be found, church. We should resolve in our hearts to to serve no other gods or to have no other gods before Him. I'm talking about the God of TV talking about the God of Hollywood. I'm talking about the God of, of the flesh and the God of the lust, the God of lust and the, the lust of the eyes and the lust of flesh and the pride of life. We should have no other gods before Him. None. Jesus should be first and foremost in our lives. Listen, the truth is our success, our relationships, our jobs, our finances, our ministries, our hobbies, our egos, our worldly obligations and responsibilities and possessions should all take a backseat to Jesus Christ. Every single one of them, our house, our car, our clothes, our jewelry, our bank account, every single bit of it should take backseat to Jesus Christ. And we should be resolved to make sure that happens in 2014. Amen? Because the reality is, without Him, we're nothing anyway. Without Jesus, we're nothing anyway, church. Without Him, the Bible... Let me remind you, because I remind myself. I'm not the only one at this party. Without Him, we're wretched. Without Him, we're pitiful. Without Him, we're poor. Without Him, we're blind. Without Him, we're naked. You understand what I'm saying? The Word of God tells me that without Jesus, I am absolutely nothing. I'm a mess without Jesus Christ. So that's why Jesus should be first and everything else should be last. Amen? He gave it to us. He can take it away. Without Him, we are nothing. It's why we've got to resolve to put Jesus first in our lives. We've got to resolve to put Jesus first in our marriage. We've got to resolve to put Jesus first in our finances and in our faith because without Him, church, all of it is nothing. Without Him, we will never cross the finish line. All the money in the world is not going to get you across the finish line. All the money in the world is not going to be able to buy off Jesus Christ. All the money in the world is not going to be able to get you a little gold pen that will write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
It's your resolve through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only way we're going to cross the finish line, church. Without Him, we are nothing. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 to 22, we find a very interesting story about a man with who his lips made this great, grand, bold resolution, this great, grand, bold commitment to Jesus Christ. And it says this. It says, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross over to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. How often is that us? Jesus. I'll follow you wherever you go. Great, big, grand, bold. Listen, I've made them. I've made them time and time again early in my Christian life. Man, I made these great, bold proclamations. Come up. God, I'll follow you wherever you go. Sunshine or rain, I'll follow you. This is what he's saying. I'll follow you wherever you go through good times and bad through happiness and hurt, through plenty and through lack, through sunshine and rain. I'll follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. Sounded like a great big grand resolution, amen? But you see, the sad reality is this man didn't know where Jesus was going. This man didn't know Jesus was going to the cross. This man didn't know Jesus was going to Golgotha's hill. This man didn't know Jesus was about to lay down his life for a friend. This man didn't understand, church, where Jesus was going. And far too often we make these same big, bold, grand resolutions without knowing the cost, church. You see, it sounded great, but this man didn't know the cost of building this tower. When you make a commitment like this, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. Please understand. It's like trying to build a tower. Jesus, you know, he didn't know the cost of building this tower. He didn't know the cost of his confession. And sadly, we find ourselves just like that sometimes. We don't understand the cost of the confession. Listen, it might not have to be that big, bold proclamation, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. But we make bold proclamations like that to God sometimes without knowing the cost of our confession without understanding what it's going to take. We sing songs week after week, and we really don't even understand the cost behind them. Please understand that. When we sing songs about giving our life away, and we sing songs of all of that, that's a big, bold confession. But what I hope we understand more than what we sing is what's behind that song. The cost, the cost of that, that confession Every time we sing some of the songs, there is a cost to that confession. And if we're not willing to pay the price, guess what? It's nothing but a verbal exercise. The sad reality is a lot of times in my life, I'll be singing songs like we're singing, be making promises to God without counting the cost. And all that is, is a verbal exercise. God's not interested in verbal exercises. He's interested in completed assignments. He's interested in us following through. He's interested in us doing what we say, doing what we sing, fulfilling what we promise, church. Listen, God can't use verbal exercise. That's just a verbal exercise. You know what a verbal exercise is? It's empty chatter. It holds no power. It makes no difference. It's idle chatter. 
When, when we make a commitment to God, when we make a resolution to God, when we make a spiritual resolution, we better be willing to pay the price. We better know the cost of our confession, church. But this man said, I'll follow you wherever I go. But what did Jesus say in verse 20? As I start to wind this down. What does he say to the man? He said, foxes have holes and the birds of the earth have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And the reality is we hear nothing more of this man who made this great, big, grand, bold resolution. Teacher of the law walks up, fancy garb, dressed nice, three-piece suit, you might say. Teacher of the law, well-respected, important man in society. Jesus, I'll follow you wherever I go, wherever you go. But we never hear another thing about him. Jesus shared the cost with him, and the man disappears. Accomplished nothing. He made a bold resolution, but we don't hear anything else about him. And the sad reality is that's how we can live our entire Christian life, making big, bold promises for God, but then never hearing anything else about the story never hearing the testimony that's come forth, never hearing about the journey, never hearing about us crossing the finish line or fulfilling the will of God in our life, church. We hear nothing more about this man because he never really made up his mind to follow in the first place because he wasn't really determined. He wasn't really resolved. He didn't really count the cost of following Jesus Christ. He was filled with good intentions, but he was not filled with resolve. And sadly... The reality is far too often we do the same thing, church. We make counterfeit commitments to Jesus Christ. We make counterfeit commitments to God. And that's the truth. The reality is, listen, God, I promise I'll read the Bible through this year. God, I promise I'll I'll start a Bible study. I'll start a small group. I'll do this. I'll do that. We make these, these counterfeit commitments to Jesus Christ. We say, God, I'll... I'll work on my anger. I'll, I'll go to counseling for my marriage. I'll go to church every week. I'll tithe. I'll give. I'll serve. I'll fast. I'll pray, God. I'll do all these things. I'll follow you wherever you go until we have nowhere to lay our heads. And then our story stops. I'll follow you wherever I go until it gets too tough. And then our story stops. I'll follow you wherever you go until it gets gray. And then our story stops. You see, the reality is there's a tremendous story that should be told about every one of our lives. There should be this tremendous testimony. And the reality is, you know as well as I do, without the test, there is no testimony. Amen? And so the reality is, this is what happens to us. We, 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 we are faced with a test. The time gets tough. We got no place to lay our head. And our story stops. And there's no testimony. And the sad reality is the house of God is filled with individuals where God wants to write this incredible story. Credible story of faith. Credible story of breakthrough. Credible story of overcoming. Credible story of, over, uh, of whatever it is that He wants to tell. But it stops as soon as we have no place to lay our head. It stops as soon as the, the winds begin to, to get rough and the the, I mean the waves begin to get rough and the wind begins to blow, church. I will follow you wherever you go until it gets too tough. And then the sad reality is our, our tower remains undone. Remains undone. Listen, God wants to see some finished towers this year. God wants to see some finished marriages this year. God wants to see some things finished. If we got some music, I'll have them come. If they don't have it here, you can just turn it on because I'm going to close this out. God wants to see us finish some things that we start, amen? 
Let me close with this. The sad reality is the teacher of the law wasn't as determined to demonstrate his devotion as he was to verbalize it. He made a big deal out of verbalizing his devotion. Made a big deal out of making it a verbal exercise in front of everybody. Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And he was more devoted and more determined to demonstrate his verbal devotion as he was to demonstrate it just in his doing, church. And sadly, again, too many times it's like us. With our lips, we show much love. With our lips, we make all these grand resolutions or promises to God, but our hearts aren't attached to them. We're not resolved to see them through. We've not sat down to count the cost to see what it really would be, what it will cost to build this tower. Like I said, God wants us to finish some towers this year. But this man, the teacher of the law, he wasn't resolved. He was unresolved. And let me, let me define this. Unresolved means this. I'm giving you the, the, the both sides of the coin. I told you what resolved means. Unresolved means marked by a lack of firm decision or commitment. Marked or identified by a lack of firm decision or commitment. Unresolved means of questionable outcome. It means indefinite, uncertain, undecided, undetermined. So please grasp this, church. To be unresolved means to be marked by a lack of commitment. Marked by a lack of commitment to church. Marked by a lack of commitment to the Word of God. Marked to a lack of commitment by prayer. Marked to a lack of commitment to the kingdom of God or to Jesus Christ Himself. Marked by a lack of commitment to my family or my finances, to giving or to tithing. Marked by a lack of commitment to my marriage church. This is what unresolved means. It means to be marked by a lack of commitment. Identified by a lack of commitment. So the question is tonight, what are we marked by? Are we marked by being resolved or are we marked by being unresolved? Are we marked by our commitment to Jesus Christ or are we marked by our lack of commitment? You see, Paul writes this. Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.2 chose to be marked by his commitment to Jesus Christ. And there's an occasion in 2 Corinthians 11.24 where Paul literally in front of the Corinthian church and the Corinthian people, and here's where I wind down and close, he literally lifts up his shirt to the congregation. And don't worry, I'm not going to do that. He lifts up his shirt to the congregation and he shows them the marks of his devotion. He shows them the depth of his resolve in following Jesus Christ. And he says this, with his shirt lifted in front of the crowd, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. And he shows them 195 stripes on his body. 195 lashes all over his body. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. 
probably another 50 marks, lashes, scars across his body. Once I was stoned, showing them again, gouges, scars, whatever, as a result of this stoning. And he goes on in that passage and he lists all the other things that he was marked by. Heartache, suffering, all of those things. But Paul lifts up his shirt and he says, he shows them the marks of his devotion. He shows them the marks of his resolve. Listen, I wonder how many of us after the first stripe would have given up and walked away. He determined, please understand, he made up his mind to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He was resolved. He determined the outcome in advance. No matter if I'm beaten 195 times, I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. No matter whether I'm beaten with rods three other times, I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. No matter they take out a handful of stones and try to stone me to death, I'm resolved to serve Jesus Christ. He showed them the marks, church. So the question is, once again, what are we marked by? What are we marked by? Are we marked by our devotion to Jesus Christ? Listen, I'm not saying that you've got to go get 195 lashes on your back. But I am saying, are you marked by commitment? Or are you marked by a lack of commitment? When people look at your life and the world looks at your life and God looks at your life, is He saying there's a faithful follower? There's a committed follower? There's an individual that's resolved and determined and committed? Or are they looking at us and saying, they're not committed. They're just playing games. I want you to understand that God is looking for individuals who are able to say, I am resolved. I am resolved. How many of you want that to be able to be your statement and be your life? I want you to stand to your feet because here's how we're going to end. I believe we have to at least start with, I want to be that person, God. I want to be a Paul. I want to be the one that is able to run the race, fight the fight, and keep the faith, regardless of what comes my way. I want to be resolved in my heart. I want to determine the outcome in advance, God. But for me to do that, I need your help. For me to do that, I need your Holy Spirit. For me to do that, I need your strength. I need your power. How many of you need Jesus to do that tonight? Amen? And that's going to be our prayer. But listen, I know we're three weeks in, 24 days, 23, 24 days into the year. But God still wants you to be resolved this year. Amen. He wants you to be committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. He wants you to be determined to make him first. All throughout this year, regardless of what comes your way, I am resolved. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you, Father God, for these truths that you've sown into our lives. God, I'll be the first to admit there's times, God, where I have began a good work, but I haven't finished it. But I'm thankful, Father, that your word tells me that you, he who has began a good work in us, is faithful to complete that work. 
So I'm thankful tonight, God, that you're not done working in me. You're not done working in this crowd. You're not done working in your sons' and daughters' lives, Father God. So we're not going to be discouraged. We're not going to be dismayed. You're still working in us. And I pray, God, that we would have the courage and the boldness to keep working for you while you're working on us. We might not be there like Paul said, not that I've attained it yet, not that I've arrived, not that I've accomplished all these goals, but I press on. And that's my prayer for us tonight, God, that we would press on, that we would press towards that mark, that we would press towards that goal, that we would press on, Father God, towards the prize that you have for us, God. I pray that you would help us to finish what we start God, because you're not as much concerned about what we start as how we finish. So, God, let us finish everything we start this year. God, if we've purposed to work on our marriage, let us keep working on our marriage. If we've purposed, Father God, to get into your word or to get into prayer, let us keep doing that, God. Whatever we've resolved to do, I pray that you would give us the strength to keep doing it, God, until you open up the heavens, until you spread back the clouds, until the trumpet of the Lord sounds. Help us to be resolved, Father God, determined and have a made-up mind that we're going to follow you all the way to the end. pray that you would give us strength, Lord God, to be overcomers. Give us strength, Father God, to run the race, to fight the fight and keep the faith. Because there will be difficulties that come our way. There will be storms that come our way. And some have already let loose in our lives, God. Storms will come against our marriage. And storms will come against our finances. And storms will come against our family. And even against our faith, God. But help us to be resolved, God, to see it through. To not grow weary in well-doing so that we could reap a harvest if we just wouldn't give up, God. We don't want to be quitters. We want to be winners. And in order for that to happen, we must make up our mind to follow you to the finish, God. So do that work in our lives. Give us the strength we need, the power we need, the infilling of the Holy Ghost that we need, the truth that we need, the revelation that we need the counsel that we need, the friendship that we need, God. Everything that we need, we pray that you would give us, God. We thank you once again for this word. We pray that your spirit, your will would have its way in our lives, God, that your will would be accomplished, Lord. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? Not me, but God, we thank him for his word. If you have a need... We'll tarry with you, pray with you, prayer team will surround you, bless you. But otherwise, let that be your word. Words, I am resolved. Amen. Go in the blessing of the Lord. Let him be with you and keep you. Amen. We'll see you on Sunday. Stay warm as you go.